In this episode of Undictated, we have a look at oh, the role of business in standing up against government. David Ansara, the chief executive of the Free Market Foundation, says that business is being lily-livered and limp-wristed on NHI. And uh, if you have a look at what happened at ArcelorMittal, it just shows what happens if you believe uh, the stories that are coming out of Pretoria. We'll be looking at that in some detail in this episode of Undictated. Well, David, good to be talking with you again. It's a couple of months since we last chatted, so it's due. And the piece that sparked me into finally picking up the phone and saying, hey, let's, let's, uh, let's have an update, was your attack on business on the way that it is approaching the National Health Insurance, or NHI. Uh, it's, it's all about, I suppose, uh, something that is, it, it seems to be in the fantasy land of politicians. But on the other hand, it is something that they've pushed through Parliament. So what drew you to targeting this particular area when there are really so many other areas to look at? Well, Alec, national health insurance is not a new policy proposal. This has been around essentially since about 2007 after the Polokwane conference. And so it's been bubbling away in the background and it seems to go through periods where there's a lot of activity and action and then it dies down and, and people's concerns are allayed. But now we find ourselves on the eve of one of the most critical elections, if not the most critical election since 1994, and the ANC is witnessing the decline of its popular support and is trying to drive through populist measures through Parliament. So that's why there's this renewed sense of urgency with the NHI bill it was passed by the National Assembly. Uh, now it's uh, before the National Council of Provinces. I believe that vote is being delayed uh, to next week. We're recording on Friday. Um, but for all intents and purposes, it seems to be going through. And throughout this process... A big business in particular and a variety of other civil society actors have been very patiently engaging with the government on this issue. And uh, there were over 100 submissions to the Parliamentary Portfolio Committee uh, uh, in the National Assembly, uh, all of which made fairly uh, substantive uh, suggestions for amendment. None of those amendments were incorporated at all. So uh, essentially, there were a few uh, spelling errors that were corrected, but the original bill remains in its in its uh, original form. Uh, so, uh, the way we see this is that this is being uh, driven uh, through Parliament, and business is essentially being ignored. And I think uh, what is happening here is that business has taken a rather equivocal stance. It said, "Well." You know, we see what you're doing here. We support your goals and ambitions. Uh, we also want to see universal healthcare in South Africa, and this is our our social mandate is is to to support this bill. But but please, pretty please, could you amend uh, section 33 of the bill, which would prohibit us as private medical uh, healthcare providers uh, from from providing services um, that the NHI proposes uh, to provide itself, uh, and so. What we interpret this as is really negotiating from a position of weakness rather than a position of strength. And it's very important to lobby and to engage in that 
that discursive deliberative process and to argue your interests. Uh, but uh, business really hasn't been uh, asserting itself forcefully enough. Something that struck me in this context was in the past week, the chief rabbi of South Africa, um, Warren Goldstein, issued a, a very strong video statement where he called the president of the country, of the ANC, an anti-Semite. Now, if you consider how many Jewish business leaders there are who seem to be, as you're saying, uh, as, as you put it, or perhaps other people have put it, uh, appeasing whatever this supposedly anti-Semitic government is, uh, is going ahead with, you'd think at some point in time there would be a bit of a wake-up call. Why is it that business is taking the line of, le- uh, of least resistance? Well, I think uh, many businesses fear being frozen out of the discussion. So uh, I had a conversation with a a senior executive in the health uh, space, and he was saying, well, you know, I don't want to be too aggressive because at any point I can pick up the phone and speak to Nicholas Crisp, who's uh, the deputy director general in the Department of Health and who's really the champion of NHI. Um, and my question to this executive was, well, well, what is that access actually giving you? And, uh, you know, if, if we go through just the, the recent history of the NHI bill, it doesn't seem like uh, businesses s- such as the one uh, that this executive led uh, was, was really able to extract the concessions that they thought. So I think a lot of it is dressed up in sort of patriotic terms. Well, you know, we're all in this together. The country is going through a crisis or multiple concurrent crises. And we as business need to galvanize behind the government and help to, to support the government in, in resolving some of these uh, systemic problems. But I think what they're failing to do is to really truly recognize their bargaining power. Uh, the only reason anything works in South Africa is because of the private sector. Uh, the state is failing, as I indicated in my, my speech uh, uh, several months ago. Um, the center cannot hold. Uh, things are falling apart. Um, and, but this is the wrong approach. Uh, the social compacting approach really reinforces the policy status quo. A lot of these problems that we see, whether it's uh, the energy crisis, uh, the breakdown of ESCOM, uh, the collapse of the transport infrastructure. I mean, you had... Uh, quite a few discussions on your show recently about uh, the ports uh, backlogs and the the failure of the the ports. All of these problems are downstream from the policy decisions that the government has taken. Uh, So in our view, if you're going to engage in negotiations with the government, firstly, you need to recognize that you are a legitimate social actor as business. Uh, You have interests to defend. Those are the interests of your staff, your shareholders, uh, your uh, your board, um, and your your customers as well, and you must assert those uh, those interests. So it doesn't mean that you have to be aggressive or nasty, but you must just understand where your interests lie and and who you are serving. So we hear a lot of discussions around businesses' leadership role. Uh, I would say they need to recognize the gravity of that leadership role. And that sometimes means uh, taking a position that is at odds with what the government uh, is proposing. Um, so by all means, lobby and engage, but recognize what your interests are 
and, and, and follow that approach rather than the social compacting approach. I'm going to quote to you something that you said in your speech at the Rand Club two months ago. We are governed by our inferiors. All the power they have is the power we perceive them to have. It is not real. That's not something that has landed within the South African corporate business community. Yeah, and I think uh, we must also be very careful when we wade into these political waters as business. So, you know, I think business often says, well, you know, we're apolitical. We, we just care about the best outcomes. We serve the, the national interest rather than the political interest. But actually, I think that that's quite naive. Uh, I think many businesses that have joined these social compacts, uh, the partnership initiative being the most recent iteration of this, are very much seen as part of a specific political faction of the ANC. Um, and, you know, that is often uh, thrown in their faces by uh, organizations or people on the left to say, oh, look, there's just this collusion between big business and and the state. So I would say business's approach should be one of asserting its independence. Um, you can definitely engage in political contestation, but hitching yourself to a particular political faction or uh, a particular personality or individual is very dangerous because political fortunes change. Uh, th this is the inevitable cycle of politics. And now suddenly, uh, to uh, quote Warren Buffett, it's only when the tide goes out that you realize who's been swimming naked. And I think a lot of businesses might be caught with their pants down. But they're going to swap sides again, as they always do, as they always have. They've got the lobbyists who will then talk to the new guys. But it is interesting, the point you make there about the political environment changing. It's almost like those who live in ivory towers, and it's not just the, the guys in Pretoria, but also those within corporations, are not reading what's happening on the ground, are not seeing, perhaps they're just not believing the polls. But there is a strong potential that within six months, we'll have a very different government in South Africa. And at that point in time, perhaps things might be easier for business to, to go ahead but I'd like to bring you back to a real-life example with Arcelor Mittal. I spoke with Kurbis Vistair this week, the chief executive, after he'd had to cut his business by 35%, laying off 2,000 people in my old hometown where I grew up of Newcastle, which will decimate that place. Well, worse than decimate the place. Uh, it is really going to be a, a – it's going to smash Newcastle. Without having Arcelor Mittal as the major employer, who knows what will happen there. There's another 1,500 people elsewhere. But he says they have been talking to government for five years on the issues that have now finally come to a head. My question here is, if they've been talking for five years and have got nowhere, other businesses would be doing the same thing. Where does it end? When does the penny finally drop? When you have to do the kind of action that Arsenal Mittal has been forced into? Yeah, look, those closures of those plants and the downsizing of ArcelorMittal's operations, that is very regrettable. But it is the consequence of South Africa's very difficult operating environment, which, again, I should stress, is caused by policy decisions taken by this government. Uh, so we also had a senior executive from Volkswagen saying, look, uh, they've had a long history in South Africa, but the lack of energy availability and the fractious labor relations going to make it very difficult for him to argue the case 
uh, to remain invested in this country. I think that should be a, a huge red flag. VW is uh, the largest private sector employer in the Eastern Cape. I think it employs about 6,000 people. Um, you know, so, you know, getting back to ArcelorMittal, um, I mean, I remember in a previous role engaging with ArcelorMittal uh, in, in the Val, and they told me an anecdote of they offered to pave the potholed roads uh, in in the the uh, outside of their facilities, and they needed to engage with the Infoleni municipality, and they were offering to do this at their own cost. ArcelorMittal were doing doing so, and uh, all they needed to do was kind of get permission from Infoleni to to make this happen, and none of the officials were interested. All of the meetings uh, were were cancelled because uh, the officials didn't didn't show up. So I would say, well, rather than waiting for permission, start solving these problems yourselves. Again, that gets back to this implicit subservience uh, that I think characterizes a lot of engagement with government. Um, businesses see themselves as having to ask for permission, to plead with the government for help. But I would say the government's not coming to save you. No one's coming to save you. If you want to preserve your business and keep adding value and making money in South Africa, you need to solve some of these problems yourself. Um, that doesn't mean doing it on your own, but reaching out to, to others. Uh, so uh, the lady from uh, the uh, Association of uh, Chambers of Commerce, who you had on your show recently, whose name escapes me. I, Melanie uh, I she, Yes, that's a... Uh, you know, I think she's been very bold in stating the extent of uh, some of the governance failures and how that's impacting on business. And I think she used the word khatful. Uh, but I think we need to translate that khatfulness into action, into actually now starting to solve some of these problems. Because if we continue on the current trajectory, uh, we're going to be uh, on a losing wicket. Again, going back to a point that you made earlier, which really should be discussed at the top of the agenda in boardrooms nowadays is state-proofing your business. It's almost like there's this hope within many organizations that, well, until my share options finally vest in five years' time, perhaps the, com uh, the, the country will be able to kind of keep it together rather than saying, what is an infinite business? What's going to happen to this business in 20 years' time if we get a continuation of the mismanagement that we have today? And just take that as a as a given, and then how do you state-proof your business? That surely is something that I know you've been banging that drum. It, sh it has to be started to be listened to or heard now. Yeah, and state-proofing is also a mindset change of uh, not seeing yourself as secondary to the government or some kind of other social actor. Uh, it's about preserving value, recognizing that a lot of the legislative developments that are coming out of our parliament are fundamentally hostile to free enterprise and big business. Uh, so I think, I think big business is maybe suffering from a, a high time preference. Uh, they want to solve some of the immediate problems now. And they see that as the best way of doing that as collaborating and, and, and trying to help the government. But I think uh, we should have a low time preference. We should be thinking about the future of business in South Africa, not just next year or next quarter, for the next 10, 20 years, because if people want to, to live in this country and to prosper, uh, they need to basically carve out that independence uh, that we were speaking about earlier. And that requires sometimes standing up to the state and resisting hostile policy 
not just uh, trying to minimize the impact. So, David, a more controversial question. As you said earlier, businesses like to be positioning themselves as apolitical, which is a lot of nonsense, actually, because they are behind the scenes working on government contracts, putting uh, government-affiliated people on boards. We just have a look at how many of the ANC cadres are chair people, chairman, chairwoman of, uh, of major corporations in South Africa. So, but it is, it's a facade that they like to put forward. The opposition parties are telling us that we've got one last chance uh, for this democracy in the next election, which is about six months away, we believe. Should business be getting involved in that, at the very least, if they don't want to uh, promote free enterprise-driven uh, political parties, at the very least, trying to get people involved and, and to sign up and register? Yeah, so the democratic contestation, the party political arena, I think is very important. And I believe it's, it's, it's quite uh, a positive development that we're now seeing increased competition in the political space, uh, a lot more parties on the scene. I don't think a lot of those parties are clearly differentiating themselves enough from the ANC. Uh, so there are multiple parties at the moment, but which are the parties that are outright rejecting BEE? Maybe uh, the Freedom Front Plus. Um, but, you know, so I think that many of these parties are still swimming in the ideological slipstream of the ANC. But I, I am quite encouraged to see that there's going to be more pluralism in the future. And I think coalition politics is going to be a permanent feature of South African political life for the indefinite future. However, I would say that if you look, for example, at the situation in Tswane, I think that's a very uh, illustrative microcosm for what South Africa might look like post-2024, that you have uh, you know, a loose coalition of, of quite divergent interests, uh, deployed cadres within the civil service who are actively trying to undermine the new coalition administration. Um, when uh, Celia Brunk, the mayor, stood up against the public sector unions, we then saw uh, strikes and mounds of rubbish piling on, on, on people's pavements. And then uh, some of the coalition partners started to get a little bit uh, restless and, and uh, concerned that their constituents uh, were uh, we're going to abandon them or, or, or put pressure on them. And so, uh, you know, these uh, coalitions can be a little bit unstable as a result. Um, so I, I wouldn't, I would certainly encourage people to, to vote, particularly for parties that encourage uh, freedom, individual freedom, non-racialism, uh, a market economy. Uh, those are the values that, that we as the Free Market Foundation espouse. And so we would like to see parties that share those values doing well. Um, we are a non-partisan organization, so we don't uh, support any particular political party. But I would also say, getting back to this idea of state-proofing, you know, even the best, most capable politicians, if they were to come in tomorrow, uh, would struggle to turn around some of these uh, failed uh, municipalities and, and, and government departments. We need a I think a radical restructuring of South Africa's political institutions. Our cabinet is extremely bloated. Uh, we have uh, vast amounts of state intervention in South Africa's economy. So the Free Market Foundation, we are busy with a privatization in practice a paper in which we look at some of the key state-owned assets 
and how those could be uh, meaningfully privatized. Um, you know, I think that that is a very urgent necessity in South Africa that uh, we need to uh, minimize the state power in South Africa. So changing uh, the sailor of the ship uh, or the captain of the ship at this stage, I think, would be would be welcomed. But the ship is still taking on water and is in danger of sinking. Uh, but the ship, I mean, by the government, not the country. I think South Africa will survive, but I'm not sure if the state will survive in its current uh, manifestation. David Ansara is the chief executive of the Free Market Foundation. I'm Alec Hogg from biznews.com. 